basically APIs are the lifeblood of our company, the lifeblood of the digital, digital economy. Putting the logic in the right place is really paramount for having good APIs. Because if you don't expose the right stuff for the API to expose it mm. externally, then yeah, then you're stuck. This kind of was the start of our uh, empowering our network, basically. Welcome to the Bold.com Tech Lab podcast. Peter, what's today's subject? Well, yes, thanks, Peter Paul. Yeah, today we talk about APIs. And APIs are a very important subject for our our company um, because we moved from a retailer into the, the platform uh, which we are nowadays. Um, so we use the, the APIs for interaction with our partners and at the seller hand we also have some, some APIs. So yeah, we, we need it and um, let's dive into the topic uh, for today. Okay, so let's introduce uh, our guest. We have uh, Jarno Walkmoot, he's an uh, owner at Source Labs and a software engineer a strong focus on the partner APIs at uh, Bol.com. And we have uh, Willem van Schieveen. He's a team lead in the shopping platform and he's the former uh, product owner of the uh, app API, the partner APIs and the API gateway. So uh, yeah, I think we can call him an uh, API advocate. Uh, both are members of our API uh, brain trust, but we'll uh, dive into that uh, uh, subject uh, a little later. Let's uh, start with the first question. What's your view on an API? What's an API? I think this is an in interesting question. So I'm quite curious about your view from an IT perspective. <laughs> so uh, the hard definition for an API is generally a set of functions or, or procedures that uh, allow people to interact with your internal services or applications. So that, that's basically mm -hmm. the hard uh, specification of it. But for us as a, a partner platform, basically, we are uh, focused more on the functionality we expose. So we try mm -hmm. to provide the tools and, and means necessary for people, uh, developers, uh, to, to attach their own internal infrastructure to ours. So that means that they can do business with Bob.com uh, in a proper way and that they get all the tools they need to be effective and successful on the platform. Okay. Willem, do you have an other take <laughs> on that? <laughs> uh, I think it's sort of the same, but uh, probably... Uh, it's uh, shorter, but if I would describe it in a couple of sentences, I would say it is a technical interface that exposes certain business functionality or business domain expertise. Mm -hmm. So, uh, and I mix those up, like it's a technical interface exposing your business domain uh, because I want to make it clear that it, it is not just a technical thing. Mm -hmm. um, so business should definitely be involved in this subject and uh, I'm quite happy that that is something that is starting to happen at the moment. Yeah, yeah. It, it's important to, to, to notice that it has a technical component and a, and, a, and a functional component, where in our case, especially when we target uh, uh, partners, that the technical component is handled by other people, generally speaking, than the people doing the, uh, the functional side of it. So, uh, yeah. Okay, so it's a technical means to get value out of our platform for, for example, these retailers or sellers, as you call them, on our platform. Uh, Okay. Yeah. Cool. Exactly. Yep. Hey, and uh, yeah. Um, how important are APIs in becoming a platform? What What's the role they play uh, for us? It's extremely important, and I always say that basically APIs are the lifeblood of our company. It's the lifeblood of the digital digital economy. Basically, everything we do within Bot.com is enabled via APIs, because we have. Um, uh, internally, we have a microservice landscape. Mm -hmm. So we have a lot of 
services uh, that are responsible for a certain business domain and they know everything about it, but others can only access that information via APIs. So we are one giant organism of APIs talking to each other. And in the end of the chain, it's, it is being exposed and shown on, for example, uh, an app or a web shop or to other re uh, re retailers. Um, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, nothing to add. Exactly <laughs> that. Yeah, definitely. Okay. But um, uh, did you, for example, and that's where, where we also maybe should look a little at our at our history or the history of our, our APIs, did they enable a certain, yeah, to grow over a certain threshold of retailers or so? But let's dive into history. Uh, yeah, interesting. Um, yeah. Yeah, so for me, I've been around at uh, Bol.com for about five years. Uh, I joined the partner space, the Plaza space is what it mm -hmm. uh, was called at the time uh, uh, to be focused on, on retailers specifically, our, yeah. our partners. Uh, at that time, we already had an API. So we already had the, the retailer API, which uh, uh, covered some functionality uh, for that. But it was actually a bit of a naive offering. So we did have it and we did uh, provide it for retailers to do their business on it. But the main focus was uh, STD at the time, the seller mm -hmm. dashboard, which yeah. is a front-end application which exposes roughly the same functionality. So that's, that's yeah, uh, how, what we were focused on at the time. So and over the years, we saw that, that there was a, a large, large increase of traffic through the APIs and uh, even the, as well, the revenue was, was increasing. So at mm -hmm. we are, came at a point where two thirds of the revenue for the whole plaza uh, part of Bob.com okay. yeah. was uh, flowing through the, the API. So we thought we needed to be a bit more professional or more serious about this API uh, business. And we decided to, to start redesigning the API, started to make it, uh, make it our prime focus. Uh, mm -hmm. So, and that's something that, that was a bit of a paradigm change for us because uh, yeah, having an API, it, it, in the past, it meant just exposing some data without mm -hmm. any context, without any documentation. Uh, well, there was some documentation, but it wasn't at the, yeah, at the level that we wanted it to be. So we wanted to really increase uh, uh, the effectiveness of that. And uh, so we started working on that. And uh, that's actually what we did last year where we created the new version of the API, released it, which uh, uh, actually targets a lot of these points that we wanted to, uh, to improve. Mm -hmm. yeah. But from what I hear is that most sellers are, in, in terms of numbers of sellers, are on STD. But yeah. you say the, the, the more than two-thirds of the revenues from sellers comes via the API. Yeah, because that, that's a bit of a distinction. So the APIs is basically targeted more towards the, the larger retailers and uh, intermediaries, which are partners that uh, actually represent retailers on our platform. So they also uh, provide tools to uh, for retailers to to sell the stuff on uh, bull.com, but also on other platforms. So they're uh, intermediaries in that sense. Um, yeah, but basically the, the, the larger uh, volume retailers are on the API. That's what we see right now. So you have to be a business seller to, to begin with because you can also sell second-hand goods on the uh, uh, on, on uh, STD. But you can't do that on the API at the moment. Uh, uh, but basically uh, the whole idea is that uh, we target the more larger retailers and we have big parties in the market at the moment already selling stuff through bull.com through the through the api and that's where the, the higher volume and revenue comes from yeah. Yeah. and because you're talking to an api you also have to have yourself some software engineer skills in-house as a seller so that's yeah, you don't have to have it in-house, of course, because you can also buy that in. But that's, an, that's a, a challenge that we deal with a lot, is that we uh, have to keep in mind that any change we make to the API, 
uh, is going to affect our consumers. So you have to be really consumer-oriented. So the functionality has to match up with that what the retailers will need, uh, but also the technical implementation has to be as stable as possible for people to be able to uh, quickly adapt uh, whenever they need to. And uh, like you said, there are some people have IT on retainers. If you're the size of Bob.com, you have uh, your whole IT department. But there are also retailers that don't have that and they have to buy it in. And if you have to do that every few months, then yeah, that becomes a bit of a burden if your primary focus is retailing. So, But that's so important to realize uh, if you can compare it with SED is that everything we do here in-house in Bob.com can influence in the end the systems running uh, with with sellers, yeah, definitely because it's connected. Yeah. yeah, yeah, everything is connected, and like you like, like you said, it's it's uh, it's a different perspective. Uh, uh, humans adapt a lot quicker to changes in a user interface. Uh, they they work that way. Uh, computers generally are a bit slower to adapt, so you have to help to them uh, help them <laughs> along a little. Yeah. yeah, and that that's that's something that you have to invest in, and that's uh, not always a op- possibility for retailers. So something to consider, definitely. Yeah. And Willem, what about uh, the the APIs at the uh, consumer can? So yeah, on the, on it's, I think it's quite interesting to go back on the um, on the birth of the Bot.com apps because um, back around 2011 it was the, the rise of mobile basically, and uh, there were not any apps like the Dutch e-commerce players. They didn't have an app. We didn't have an app. Um, we did not know if it would have any value, and therefore it kind of reminds me of uh, Voice uh, of, of today. Um, but then we started, uh, then we said, okay, we need a mobile website. And back then you, we didn't have the, the, uh, our re- re- responsive websites li- uh, like we have today. Um, so we asked an external company to create our mobile website. And for that they needed access to our, to our landscape. And uh, that was the first time that we created on the shopping side an uh, external API. Um, and then what we also saw is that other uh, developers got really uh, creative and and started creating apps and websites and offering uh, .com products, and they did that via scraping our web- our website, for example. And so then we said, okay, let's start giving the, these developers the right tools and the right clean uh, possibilities to access this data. So we basically opened up and. This kind of was the start of our uh, empowering our network, basically, uh, and to find out w- what happens if you open up, and to uh, and it gave a lot of interesting insights. But then, uh, after a while, we we noticed that apps were here to stay, and then we de- decided to launch our own uh, iOS and Android app. And uh, iOS, we founded the iOS app five years ago, and I think the Android app four and a half years ago, and. Uh, I've been working in a team uh, that provided the data for for those apps, and it became really obvious that uh, that we have a really big dependency on the quality of our internal landscape, our mm-hmm. internal APIs. Mm-hmm. Um, so that basically got everything started from the from the consumer perspective, like giving everyone the possibility to create an own app and to uh, to integrate with the bot.com catalog basically and to, to buy products and to as an affiliate to earn some extra or an additional income. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay, so uh, but what you're for, uh, also mentioning is that because we wanted to expose this to the world and uh, allow other app developers to create an app with our catalog and our uh, checkout and stuff like that uh, as well, 
that we found out that we had to do some work internally to make that definitely. work external. Is that right? Yeah, Did I hear definitely. that right? Oh, yeah. Definitely. <laughs> yeah. Because uh, to enable this, we, we took a lot of shortcuts in the beginning. Okay. And uh, on, on an ar- architectural level. This? Yeah, that, because <laughs> that, that, that smile. <laughs> yeah, well, it's, it's, a, it's a smile with, with a small cry as well. Pragmatic. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, but, but because, yeah, my team has been really busy on dealing with this uh, legacy, basically. And uh, because back in the days we had monoliths and, mm-hmm. uh, and we were just uh, like five, six years ago, we were starting the, the transition to a microservice, microservice landscape. Mm-hmm. And we are still in this transition right now. We have hundreds of microservices already, but mm-hmm. we still have a couple of monoliths and we still have a couple of areas where business logic has not been put into a surface yeah. uh, accessible via an API, basically. Um, and every time when that is the case, either for the retailer API or for the app API, that means that we cannot expose something to the apps or to the retailers. Yeah. Yeah. So that, that really hurts. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that, that really resonates for, for the retailer side of things. It's, it's basically the same yeah, problem. It's something we're addressing uh, every day, but uh, uh, yeah, putting the logic in the right place is really paramount for having good APIs. Because if you don't expose the right stuff for the API to expose it mm-hmm. externally, then yeah, then you're stuck. Then yeah. you can provide uh, the proper functionality. But I also really liked what you said uh, at the beginning where you said uh, we exposed it and we saw people do things with it that we did not imagine. Mm-hmm. I think that can be really uh, the power of an API. I think that that's the whole idea is to exposing your data, your infrastructure in a certain way that it's abstract maybe and that people can start imagining things around mm-hmm. it and, and expand on it and uh, actually you know, become more... Uh, efficient or more effective with it. I think that's, that's the right term. Yeah, yeah what I really liked from, from that period, I, I, I'm, I'm not sure if I remember it correctly, but there was a, this app on, uh, on iPhone that you could use when you were in a, in a shop. You could sc- scan the barcode yeah. and check the price at bot.com. Yeah. Yeah. So that, that, that app is still here today. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but yeah. but, it, but yeah. now also integrated in the app we, we have ourselves. Yeah, but the yeah, idea definitely. was built by an external uh, app developer. Yeah, exactly. That was yeah. in, in the beginning. And, and then so we really motivated other people to start building these apps. And, and they got motivated themselves because it is a large audience and they yeah. can earn quite a lot of additional income with this. So uh, it's in their benefit to create the best possible app or uh, uh, web shop. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, those those kind of apps still exist today, and uh, some people never never downloaded the official bot.com app and, and still believe that that is that that, that is, is actually the, the bot.com <laughs> app. <laughs> but uh, it's it's a limited uh, number of people. But uh, of yeah, yeah. Th- some of those apps still still exist. Yeah, yeah. cool. Yeah. Because I think that that that's a, a place where we go beyond being a platform and uh, leveraging a network and also uh, uh, coming up with things that we aren't thinking of ourselves yet, just because we're is doing other things or for whatever reason yeah. really leveraging uh, the network i really yeah, I really g- like that it's really difficult to, to uh, step into the shoes of all your consumers because mm-hmm. they, they have yeah. different needs different different ideas different different uh, businesses that they target so uh, enabling that is really something yeah. very powerful yeah yeah and i think a, a large part of our business processes are being uh uh, done by other companies because mm-hmm. they are specialized in that. For example, our Billy Chatbot, it's, it's not something that we created ourselves. It's basically an external company that we work re- uh, really close with. Mm-hmm. Um, but for them to build a good chatbot, they need access to our 
to our IT landscape yeah, to, to give correct answers to questions, basically. And for that, we also need to externalize APIs so that they can access it. So it's, it's, it's far bigger than, uh, than the retailer side or the app API. Um, we work with a lot of companies and they all, they all access bot.com via, uh, via APIs, basically. Yeah. So if you look, so we mentioned already a few, so we have different APIs targeted at different kind of consumers or group of consumers. Could you like sum it up for our listeners? Hmm. Yeah. Do we have yeah. to? Do we have to? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, if, if I could start, I would say basically we have, we have three types of APIs. We have okay. internal APIs and yeah. those are used internally by other services or for mm -hmm. our own web shop. Yeah. Um, we have partner APIs, and mm -hmm. those kind of APIs are specifically designed for this specific partner. Okay. Because they need access to one of our services, uh, and, and we give them the, the tools to do so. And we need them to do a business function that we exactly. aren't providing ourselves yeah. there, I guess. Exactly. Okay. Yeah. And the third? Uh, and the third is, is the open or the, or the public APIs. Mm -hmm. and there's basically two examples, and one is the, the, the shopping open API, which is still there. Uh, so yeah. it, I told the story of, of the beginning, and that was the only um, uh, external channel, basically, the, that we had. Uh, but it is still there, so people are still able to build on top of it. And we have the, the retailer API, which is really important for our growing uh, platform. And the yeah. retailer API is also in the category of open APIs. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, that's, that's one of the open APIs that we provide, specifically targeted towards retailers, which is a different uh, yeah, perspective than the open API currently is for, uh, which is more targeted on the shopping side. Uh, yeah. Yeah. We, we call it open API, but I assume you have to uh, fulfill some specific conditions before you can start using them, right? Yeah, for the retail API, you have to have a, a seller account, which is basically something you can, can set up using uh, the seller dashboard. So you have to register, and then using STD, you can get a set of credentials or keys basically to, to uh, connect to the API. So you have to be uh, a business seller as well, by the way. Uh, so you cannot do it if you're just uh, somebody from home uh, who wants to sell uh, some, some stuff he has lying around. You have to really be a business uh, in order to apply for the, the API uh, access. So okay, but then, then I have the seller ID. Can yeah. I just start coding against the API and maybe yeah. do some horrible stuff? Or do you, do we need to test? Or how does that work for seller? You can try to do horrible stuff, of course, but uh, <laughs> we actively uh, uh, yeah we actively uh, try to discourage that, of course. Uh, but we have a lot of uh, uh, mechanisms in place for that. So uh, of course we have security, so you cannot uh, do stuff that's not not. Uh, that you're not allowed to do. So uh, we make sure that you have the rights uh, to, to uh, do the actions that you need to do. Aside from that, there are a lot of things that we try to, to keep in place to, to make sure that we don't overload our internal systems. Uh, like uh, uh, Willem already mentioned, so we have an internal system of microservices or an internal grouping. Uh, yeah, they, they, have, uh, they can be overloaded easily if you uh, allow every request that comes in from the outside world to just propagate to, uh, to your internal landscape. So we do throttling uh, to, to prevent that from happening. We apply back pressure, which are pretty technical terms, but mm -hmm. we make sure we just don't overflow. So uh, everybody has a, uh, an opportunity to get a fair share of the, the quota that they have available to them uh, to do requests on the API and to uh, be able to do uh, effective business on it. Yeah. And do they have to prove on a kind of test environment or so before they go into production with their 
a connection or is it just no basically they don't have to prove it to us because uh, we will uh, we handle on the assumption that everybody knows what they're doing of course uh, but uh, uh, the, the whole setup is set up in a way that we also have a demo environment available for the retailers because it's, it's more comfortable for people to, to just connect to a service where you don't deal with production data uh, okay. at, at, uh, at the get-go um, and that, that's a setup that we made, which is uh, uh, the exact same service that returns a few mock responses so you can at least validate whether or not your implementation is working or not. And mm -hmm. we see that there are retailers already building uh, integration tests against it to make sure that they are uh, still compatible, which is uh, basically the purpose that we uh, uh, built it for. Uh, but yeah, th this is what we use to at least uh, get people uh, on a proper confidence level that uh, their implementation is okay. And then uh, for the rest of it, uh, yeah, we monitor these APIs actively. So uh, at times we see people doing uh, stuff on the API that we did not expect or mm -hmm. we may not uh, like that much, but then we have ways of getting in touch with the people and just telling them, so, okay, maybe you're not doing it the way we anticipated or maybe you're uh, interpreting the, the functionality uh, incorrectly and we can help you figure out a proper way to interact with the API to make sure that we don't have any problems uh, moving forward. So, yeah. so now you're already touching an, a new interesting subject, and that's the information. And that's where it's all about, right? To, to share the information with, uh, mm -hmm. with the sellers and the uh, consumers or others. You're dealing with a lot of other services in our landscape. And every time uh, I, I'm, I'm in, in my mail, I receive notifications from Scrum teams Please be aware, mm -hmm. by this and this date, we will end the version two of this and this uh, interface. Yeah. Every time that, that message comes in, is it for you a moment that you realize, okay, now we have to do something in our APR or? Often, often it is. <laughs> yes. Uh, yeah. But it's, these kind of emails kind of uh, worried me because it tells me that people don't know who is consuming their API. So they they don't they are not aware, or the, they are possibly not aware that uh, who is actually consuming their APIs, but because that's, because that's otherwise they, they would be contacting them personally and go to them and say like hey okay we uh, we're gonna create an, another version of our API, uh, let's talk about uh, deprecation. How long do we need to to switch over to to our new newest version? But uh, but back to your question, yeah, it it is uh, it is often a signal to see okay. Are we actually uh, consuming this API? And if so, yeah, then, then we, we need to change something. Yeah. And then um, usually when you are in between, uh, so for example, for the app API, we are in between the app and the actual domain services. So we, we are kind of a, a, a barrier uh, and, and we can we can still deal with it. We, we can we can change our call to 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 the downstream service and ensure that our API stays stable to the outside world, basically. Yeah, you do the translation if needed. Or yeah, you, yeah, you yeah. maintain the, the the older interface towards the app. Yeah, if possible. If, if possible. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And sometimes you 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 need to break your API. Uh, you need you need you need to make another ver uh, version of it. For us, it's really easy because we have one consumer. It is the apps, or it's basically two teams. For Yano, it's much more difficult because they have tens of thousands of... Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Pl plenty of consumers, uh, yeah. all with different needs and uh, different uh, cycles that they're in. But yeah, but I really liked uh, the, the, the point you made earlier on, the, on the being consumer-oriented because I think that that's really important if you deal with APIs in your, in your landscape. Basically, 
you have to, to figure out who you're doing this for. You're producing functionality, so you have to be really aware who is in need of that functionality and what shape it should take and, and how they will consume it. And uh, I think in the past especially, but it's, it's changing a lot. Uh, but in the past, there was a bit of a fire and forget way. We just sent out a mail saying, oh, we're going to change the API because we see the need to do it. And then if you're a consumer, then you are basically sucks to be you, right? But, but, oh, <laughs> just playing devil's advocate over here. I, yeah, yeah, I thought yeah. it was in our architecture that we say, okay, we open up all the services for everybody who wants to, to use it. So here is my interface. You can go here to, to check what you, what you get from information. So yeah, I don't care who's consuming it as, as long as I can handle the load. So it would be nice that you approach me if you're going to start using me, but it's not really necessary. That, that yeah, but, yeah. Who, who are you doing this for? Yeah. Because or what is your reason of existence of your service? It's because someone needs it. Yeah, true. It's, it solves yeah. someone else's problem. So if you have no consumers of your API, you, you might as well quit because yeah. you are ir irrelevant, basically. So it is your, your reason of existence is because you bring value to your customers. To your consumers. So you want to know your customers, you want to know their needs. And that makes, it, makes life actually quite easier as well to, because it makes you... Uh, more in control. Uh, for example, uh, back in the days, we used to basically uh, put everything we had in, in, in an API. So uh, all the data that we had, let's just expose it and see what happens. Yeah. 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 But that makes it quite hard if you want to change something or you find out like, actually this, this information that we share here, mm, it's, it's personal data, mm, we, we shouldn't do it. But if you, if you leave it out, then you, then you are suddenly breaking APIs and others that, that, that have built applications on top of it or apps, suddenly those applications are breaking. So if you only expose what your customers really need, um, then you probably need to expose a lot less information and it makes you a lot more agile to change, basically, mm -hmm. I guess. Well, yeah, it's an interesting point because you said I'm building a service and I'm exposing it and then anybody that wants to use it can use it. And that's still the, the outset for an API. It's just also being aware who, who these people are. And I think that's that's the, the key of it. So you, you expose something for the for the primary goal of people using it because that's that's why you're there. Yeah, yeah. It's like uh, Willem said, we, you can switch it off immediately if you have no consumers. So I think that that's really important. Uh, and, and finding the consumers and finding out what they do uh, with it, what they need it for, that gives you a lot of, of power and a lot of direction, basically. So you know where to put your efforts because it's, it's really obvious that people need something from you. Yeah. And that naive approach is what I, what I touched on earlier. So the old API was basically everything we have available, we just push out there. And then you find out that you have all kinds of trouble in, in naming things, for instance. The retail mm -hmm. world outside of Bob.com uses different terminology in some cases. So... So you have to really explain that or change it. And that's, that's what we do. The main focus for our retailer API is that we create a consistent uh, user journey throughout the API with consistent naming, with uh, consistent fields, basically, so people can just relate to it uh, from an outside perspective. And it just exposes everything we have available on the uh, inside. Well, not everything, but close to uh, everything. Yeah. 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 Hey, you said also, you mentioned that... Uh, yeah, the consumer, who is the consumer, and uh, measuring stuff is quite important there, or knowing them. Yeah. And then I was thinking measuring, because that's what we, for example, do at the shop, do in day, measuring who are they, what are they using, what are they not using. Do you have things like that uh, in place for the APIs as well? And what kind yeah, of data yeah, do we get from that? Because, 
for example, if you, uh, for example, the partner API, so the mm -hmm. API is created for for a speci uh, specific company. Yeah, uh, we need to know how often they want to do a re request into mm -hmm. our landscape. Yeah, is it a ten times a second? Is it a thousand times per second? Mm -hmm. Because if it is, if it's, if it's thousand times a second. We need to scale up probably, and the the domain services uh, in the backend they probably also need to scale up. Yeah. So re we really need to have this conversation uh, about how are you gonna use this this product, mm -hmm. uh, and how how often do you need it, and then we can use our uh, security me uh, mechanisms, uh, put those in place. So for example, we have. Um, uh, we touched on this subject earlier, but we have this API gateway, basically a giant doorkeeper surrounding the bot.com landscape. Mm -hmm. And that doorkeeper knows, okay, this this specific uh, customer is allowed to access 100 times per second, but but, but not more. Okay. Um, so that way we can secure our landscape. And then they might come to a point that they, they, they reach that boundary often, and then we go into the conversation, hey, we see that you you are reaching your, your limits. Do we need to raise this? Then we can start testing on acceptance, for example. Mm -hmm. Do we have enough? Capacity to do so, and if yeah. so, yeah, let's let, let's let's raise the, the limits. Yeah, cool. Yeah, for us, it's, it's roughly the same, but having uh, uh, much more consumers than just one. We also have uh, a lot of metrics. We we keep track of every request that everybody does on the API, and uh, we store them in a in a BI tooling uh, so we can make a, a, yeah an analysis of what's mm -hmm. happening. And we keep track of all kinds of things. So uh, how many retailers are doing requests that end up in a bad request? So they are sending uh, incorrect yeah. data, that sort of stuff. So we can help them out with the implementation that they're, they're building. Uh, uh, how many uh, retailers are running out of requests often, right? So, uh, how many mm -hmm. are running into rate limits? Uh, we have issues with uh, 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 retailers doing bursts, for instance, which is just ah. a lot of requests at one time and then a lot of time nothing. Now, the way the rate limits are set up, that's sometimes an issue. So we need to figure out ways around that. But spread it, yeah. Yeah, but we use metrics to see that, and that, that's basically uh, uh, enormous value in that. So you have no idea when you start logging them, uh, so to say, uh, how much value you can get out of them. But once you see the reports and once you start aggregating data together, you see a lot of behavioral things on on your API that you can actually start. Yeah, building towards uh, supporting. So uh, that's very valuable, definitely. Great. So yeah, um, we already heard some some challenges you are dealing with. Uh, with what is the the biggest challenges you have in your um, domain of providing these APIs for our partners? Yeah, for us, I think, uh, Willem already mentioned it, we're kind of in the middle. Uh, so we are exposing the internal uh, bol.com landscape, so the microservices that encompass this. Uh, and then we have a, a quite a big group of external retailers, uh, and that's that's a group we have to deal with. And, and one of the things that we, uh, for instance, have to find a way around is uh, the deprecation policies. So uh, internal services uh, tend to move at a higher pace than external services. We have to deal with uh, partners being able to adapt at a slower pace than, than we can. Uh, so we have to, to keep in mind that, that we cannot just easily change these APIs. So we have to support them for a longer period. Uh, and in most cases, uh, when somebody says they're going to deprecate functionality, we can work around, uh, a way uh, around it. Uh, basically, we can, can, can change that in service, like Willem said. Uh, we, we modify the models or we make it fit, uh, so to say. But there are cases where that's not possible and then you have to adapt and then sometimes you have to ask the retailer to, to implement uh, new functionality because of that. And that's, that's a big challenge, getting mm -hmm. these things in sync. Uh, another challenge that we have is uh, new functionality, getting it out there. Uh, 
there's no restriction to the time at which new features can become available. Uh, but we do want to get into a certain cadence of releasing uh, so we can mm -hmm. have retailers anticipate new uh, releases for the API coming out mm -hmm. because it sometimes is an investment and that's something you want to yeah, be able to, to, to plan. Yeah. Uh, and that's also difficult because sometimes uh, important new features for the for the platform for for bol.com uh, will come out will become available but we cannot offer them just yet because it's a little bit too early to start releasing new versions uh, and th that's that's a challenge and that's something we're continuously trying to figure out together how to, to deal with that properly uh, and we're getting better at it uh, mm. so but, but we yeah. do share the, our roadmaps with the sellers that's that's what we plan on doing so right now yeah. uh, we had cool. a, a bit of a pilot where we did a beta version of the last API and we exposed everything so documentation uh, the, the, the the bit of the roadmap the things that needed to to, to be done in the future uh, so also uh, there was an opportunity to raise bugs and uh, we're really looking into the possibility of doing that again in the future because that interaction with your consumers that direct line to your consumers is very important and especially mm -hmm. if you do, uh, are sharing your roadmaps in the future you can also uh, figure out which features are more in demand than others because uh, what we feel is important as Bolt.com might not match up with what the consumers, the, the, the retailers think is important. And I think that's that's something to always keep in mind if you're uh, developing uh, APIs. Yeah, and I also think uh, that we have a challenge um, with regards to our mindset, basically. Uh, and one of them is uh, we are a very experimental driven company, which is Absolutely great. Yeah. But the way we do that is often to um, to try something out and to see if it works. But what is the shortest? Well, what takes the least uh, amount of time to do that? That is to build it uh, to build it into the the, the front end, basically. Yeah. So mm. at, at the end of, of of the whole chain. Yeah. So uh, what we uh, what we end up doing is uh, creating uh, <coughs> sorry experiments into our uh, webshop, for example, and also in SDD, which is the graphical user interface for, for, for sellers yeah. and to see if something works. And, and th that is great. But uh, then it's really important for us to, to ensure a decent follow-up. So either the experiment was a success and then we uh, need to get it out of there and put it somewhere in a service uh, uh, with a clear API on top of it so that everyone can use it on all channels or it was not a success and then we need to delete it. Because sometimes uh, experiments stay there f for a really long time. That's the hard part. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and, yeah. and then people come to us and say, why is this functionality not in the apps? Yeah. And we're like, yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. <laughs> because of experiment. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, um, and for example, sometimes it doesn't happen that often anymore. But uh, back in the days, we used to have, uh, for example, uh, A-B tests running. And sometimes they were put on 100% if something was a success. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> all, all fine, but then still we cannot really expose this functionality to the apps. Yeah. But I think it's another challenge is really, it's really important to understand that for us to be an IT tech platform, um, uh, we are depending on the outside world, uh, but they are depending on the quality of our internal APIs. So yeah. it's, it's not a problem of the teams that are dealing with uh, with, uh, uh, with a uh, sorry, with a retailer and domain domain, for example, um, because that retailer API is consuming a lot of uh, dozens of internal APIs, so it concerns all of us, yeah. and we really need to be aware that that your data is most likely to be externalized, uh, w either now or in the near future. 
Yeah, you need to assume that it is. And if it isn't, then it's fine. But if it, if you assume that it will be exposed at some point, then you can already keep in mind that this will happen and, and, and arrange for it. I think, but you said it very well, it's a mindset thing. And I think there are some some, some initiatives coming up, like designing more API-first uh, uh, services. So uh, yeah. thinking about uh, what your service should do, who your consumers are, and how to, to, to implement that. And that, that could also help in... in Putting the experiments, because you can still experiment, of course, but putting them in the right place uh, rather than at, at the end of the chain, like uh, Willem uh, said. Because we see that uh, happen a lot sometimes, that functionality makes it to seller dashboard. People see it and they would like to have it exposed through the API, but we are sometimes in a situation where we just can't yet. Yeah. Yeah. So it's the mindset. Yeah. Well, yeah, let's go to the closing round. You're both here in this domain for a very long time now, so yeah, it's interesting to summarize for our listeners your, your most important takeaway. Jarno. I think it's been said before, but for me, it's really important to focus on your consumers. Uh, <clears throat> never mind where you are. So if you're an internal API, an external API, uh, it doesn't matter where you are in the chain. At some point, you consume data. So you are a stakeholder for, for a team, for a service, and, and you, you produce data for others. Yeah. And it's really important to start focusing on, on what you want to produce. And uh, with, the, with the transition to being a serious platform for retailers, I think this is something we need to be aware of. Our retailers need something from us, and we can provide it. We definitely can. We, as Bob.com, have the means to do so, and we need to be aware what that is that we are going to, to provide. So that's one of the things that I think is very important, and that's what we're pushing for as a team to get really uh, top of mind. Yeah. Being consumer-oriented. Yeah. For you, Willem? I think this one is really close related, uh, but I would say your API is, is your product. So if you are in a team and uh, you are owning one or multiple services with APIs on top of it, it is your product. It's the only uh, entrance into your uh, business, uh, business e expertise. So if you look at it from a product perspective, you will start doing things differently. For example, like Jarno said, uh, you want to know who your customers are and what they really need. Um, but you will also start monitoring your your shop basically differently. So yeah. you, you want to know, uh, you want to look at metrics, you want to look at logging, what's going on. Do, um, do I suddenly get a burst in in uh, in requests? Do I got a lot of error messages? Hey, what's going on? Um, so if you really start looking at it from, from a product perspective, is it secure? Does it fulfill needs? Um, is it easy to understand? And if it's not, do I have some documentation to, to provide some additional uh, in, in information? I think all of these aspects are really closely linked to a product lifecycle. And, um, and therefore, it's not also not just a technical thing. So I really want to address all product owners and business analysts as well to take control of their, their product and to really uh, be on top of it. Yeah, I really, really like that that aspect of it. So, so definitely for us, it's the same. We're very consumer oriented, but we do approach it as a product. So documentation is uh, needs to be good. Uh, uh, the the demo environment needs to be good. You need to have all the tools necessary to have a good product, and and uh, you will see that in adoption if that uh, is really the case. So yeah. yeah. Wow. Well, thanks guys. It's uh, I think I think very insightful. Uh, and your uh, call or your. Uh, yeah, the thing you want to achieve is yeah, made very clear in the in this uh, podcast. I uh, I really liked it. Uh, the call for being consumer oriented, but also the the the, the product mindset, uh, everything that comes with it. The, the statement that the APIs are the lifeblood of our company. Uh, that's that's very 
Yeah, it is. Very clear. So thanks for this. Yeah, yeah maybe uh, maybe till uh, till another episode. Uh, you're more than welcome. Right. Great. Thanks for it. Yeah. Thanks for having us. Yeah. Thanks. And I also like the uh, the show. Uh, how important this is to become a platform and uh, benefit also from the network. Uh, really great. And thanks for listening to this episode. If you like this episode, check some of the others and subscribe to our feed. Go to Spotify or iTunes, search for Tech Lab, and subscribe. And if you like the podcast, please leave a review. Hope to meet you in our next episode. Have fun. <laughs>